This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. In this episode, I'll be once again talking to Simon Peach, who is the chief football writer for the Press Association, and he also covers Manchester United. He's on to share his thoughts on Manchester United ahead of the match against Fulham. This is our view of the opposition show, which is our preview for this upcoming match. I look forward to doing the show, but before I do anything else, I have to welcome back my guest to the show. Simon, you were just on a few weeks ago. Thank you so much for coming back to Cottage Talk. Always nice to be on, Russ. Well, listen, let's get right to it. I, I just want to start off from the beginning. I just want to get your overall thoughts. You've been covering Manchester United. Just talk about the overall season so far for Manchester United, just to get us going. Well, so, because obviously I used to cover Fulham and I was on previously as a Southampton fan. I've covered Man United since Marcus Rashford's debut, as it happened. So that's February 2016. Okay. So I, I've been there the entire reign of Jose Mourinho. Obviously, it started well when they... Uh, got lucky and cheated their way past Southampton in the EFL Cup final and they obviously won the Europa League and last season they finished second obviously a long way behind Man City but very I found it very peculiar that straight away during the summer Jose was framing this as a very difficult season um yes they were I think it was 19 points in the end behind Man City but they were second and they looked like they were making progress but he it was it was as if he was getting his excuses in early uh, and maybe that's why things have panned out as they are. They're eight points off the top four after just 15 matches. They're behind Bournemouth, who have a wage bill about a fifth of Man United. Uh, they are, there's back, background backbiting. Uh, Jose is not very happy often. There's obviously ongoing speculation that he'll, he'll leave. Um, and it's just not a very nice place to to be for United fans. And as somebody who grew up not particularly like everyone in England, really, they were the biggest team that everyone, they're the team that everyone loved to hate. Uh, but even I'm feeling a bit sorry for them now because they had, do have some fantastic supporters and they are just, they just seem like a cash cow at the moment, which is, uh, which is not nice. So it's a really big game 
tomorrow, uh, which I didn't actually, I'll be honest, didn't expect it to be quite so big when right. I looked at the fixtures, but they've, they've not won in their, their last four Premier League games. And as I said, with those statistics where they are in the standings, they've, they really need to pull their finger out. Otherwise, this season's going to unravel. Uh, I mean, it's there's there's been threads that you can pull out already, but it's going to unravel or could unravel very, very quickly. Well, let me ask you this, because, again, I, I listen to a lot of uh, sports radio here, Sirius XMFC, and they talk, obviously, a lot about Manchester United. They've been talking about there potentially being a rift between the players and Mourinho. You're covering them. Do you think this is real? Um, rift might be a strong word. Okay. Um, it might it might be correct in certain cases. I just think that the way you should look at it, could perhaps look at it is how many of those players are fully behind Jose, uh, and I would argue you could possibly count them on one hand. Wow. Um, it's it, just in the sense of he has a very big squad to keep happy. He makes cutting remarks in public about his players. Uh, it's just it's not an easy place to be a footballer as it is. And when your manager is dumping further pressure on you, that, that's difficult, um, as you can imagine. So, yeah, and I, I know for a fact that he's fallen out with players in the past, whether that has kind of softened, uh, it appears to. I mean, for example, Luke Shaw appeared to be thrown under, what well, was regularly thrown under a bus, and he didn't look like he was going to get out from underneath that bus for large parts of the last two seasons. But he's obviously been rewarded with new contracts and looked resurgent. The same with Anthony Martial. But by contrast, Alex, Alexis Sanchez arrived in January uh, and has done nothing. Obviously, he's injured for tomorrow's game. Uh, Paul Pogba and Romelu Lukaku were dropped to the bench the other night. Fred, uh, their fourth most expensive player in their history, who was signed in the summer, couldn't even get in the 18 despite a raft of injuries and, and the odd suspension against Arsenal. So it's, it's a very peculiar place. I don't envy Jose in the job he has because I don't think all the players are up to, up to the standard. But at the same time, he does seem to be getting his excuses in when he should sometimes, I feel, remember where he is. He, I know he's managed the biggest clubs in the world, but he's arguably managing the, certainly the biggest club in the English-speaking world right now. And he he needs to remember that this is a very fortunate position. Right. No, very good there. I want to go back to you. You mentioned Pogba. And uh, again, talking about what I've been listening to over here in America, there's been a lot of focus on Pogba and Mourinho. And, uh, again, they were talking about speculation that Mourinho was throwing Pogba under the bus after a match. I, I can't verify that. Maybe you can. Is there a problem between Pogba and Mourinho? And also, what have you made about Pogba's time at Manchester United? Well, certainly all isn't well between Jose and Paul Pogba. Um, it, I remember the opening day of the season, uh, Pogba came into the starting lineup. Uh, despite having won the World Cup a couple of weeks earlier against Leicester, the Friday night game, scored a penalty, was captain, I believe, for that evening. Uh, and I asked him after the match uh, if he was happy, because there's obviously been a lot of speculation uh, over the summer linking him with Barcelona. And he said there were things he could say and there's things he could not say because he would be fined. So at a point where he could have just put the fire out, he let it burn and he's let it burn and burn and burn until only recently when I asked him at a press conference whether he was happy before the Juventus game in Turin, and he said he was. But by that point, a lot of water had gone under the bridge. He had been vice-captain uh, to Antonio Valencia, who's another player that Jose doesn't appear to have a 
completely 100% relationship with. Um, but that vice captaincy was taken away. Um, there was the rather public uh, heated up discussion, I guess you could call it, uh, that went viral uh, after the Derby game because he thought that Paul Pogba had put up a Snapchat or uh, sorry, an Instagram story taking the mick out of uh, the, the team for, for losing, which was a miscommunication. But was there really a need to play it out in public when he right. knew that the cameras are there and they were only there, I think it's once every month that the right soldiers are allowed into film. So he could have waited and it was only a 15 minute slot. So he could have waited for the 16th minute and laid into him if he needed to make a, a statement uh, in front of his players. Uh, and then obviously at the weekend, there was uh, the Southampton game, the two draw. The, he, he was he was terrible. <laughs> he played really badly. But uh, there were reports that he called Paul Pogba a virus. Which yes, is quite I heard strong. that. Um, so look, it, as I said, all isn't well. I think both of them need to be mature and remember, as I said about Josie, who they represent and that they're, they're fortunate to be in this position. Uh, there comes incredible pressure with representing Manchester United, as I've already said, but it's also a very fortunate position to be. Okay. Excellent there. I'm going to ask you about, uh, Jose's, uh, presser in just a second but before we do that because we're building up to talking about the match you start off by talking about their season so far and the way I'm looking at it is again I'm not watching all these matches but would it be safe to say that Manchester United aren't playing as a team more like individuals out there um do you know what I'm I'm not sure that's entirely fair in terms of I don't think they're playing as individuals I just don't think they're playing very well okay Uh, I, I, I don't think that there's one player trying to be the shining beacon and isn't passing. That 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 would what I would consider playing as an individual. I just think they're not very good. Um, as a Southampton fan, I'm used to seeing a team that can't defend, can't defend set pieces, and can't score. So uh, my working life covering Man United isn't much respite. Um, it's, I mean, defensively they had a fantastic record last season. And after 15 games, they've got a negative goal difference, which is unheard of for, for United. Uh, they chop and change at the back. Jose desperately wanted a centre-back and didn't get one. Uh, but he has five, six or seven out of ten centre-backs and he hasn't found the right combination. Uh, the midfield is disjointed. It's always changing. There's no creativity within it. And if there is, then there's other areas that go uh, bad. Up front, Romelu Lukaku scored against Southampton, but I think that ended an 11 or 12 game goal streak for the club. Anthony Martial has been playing well, um, but he hasn't really found a way of effectively shoehorning everyone into the team. I mean, even if you look at uh, Lingard, Rashford and Martial, who he chose as a front three to start with against Arsenal, he said in the pre-match interview that they weren't like the clinical killer strikers. And he's like, what? Well, if you're playing those three, what what is the what is the focus there? I mean, the only good thing in and what has been worryingly frequent for Manchester United in the last five or six years is how good David Gea has been. Yes, yeah. he made a mistake against Arsenal for the for the opening goal on Wednesday evening, but if it wasn't for him after United equalised the, the second time, that it could have been five two to Arsenal. So it, it's a very disjointed side. Yes, last season I feel like they finished second and reached the FA Cup final because of the general quality that they had, not because of the way they were particularly uh, brought together or or sent out on the field. It was just because they were better. They were better footballers, um, okay, if that makes any sense. 
No, it does. And uh, maybe I should uh, rephrase that because you kept saying the word that kept jumping out to me. Disjointed. Maybe that's a better way to describe it, not playing together fluidly. Does that describe it better? Yeah, there's not there's very little cohesion, and if it is, right. it's only in snapshots. Um, like, what I wouldn't surprise me if I see again tomorrow is that United fly out the blocks. They play very well. They look bright, uh, and then you know, then it kind of falls away. Um, and basically, United's tactics, whatever they are, seem to be read by the opposition very quickly then there's a sloppy moment. And United do have an incredible knack at coming back, but they get themselves in just ridiculous situations in the first place. I mean, how on earth they ended up 2-0 behind to Southampton? It was just... We'd won one league game in a calendar year at St Mary's, and they ended up 2-0 down to us. I mean, it was... That was a surprise, Simon. Yeah, they're they're just a bad football team. Um, when when things are going wrong, they have an amazing spirit. I don't know whether just the weight comes off their shoulder to yep. come back. We've seen it time and time and time again. It's it's admirable, but it also right. makes it even more frustrating from an from an outsider who has obviously a vested interest in the club uh, that they just can't do it from the start. It's very interesting because, in one way, you could see the potential because they can come from behind. They have the ability, but they're just not able to put it together for, say, 90-plus minutes. So it's very interesting that you put it that way. I'm glad that you shared that with me. Simon, all right, let's now go and talk a little bit about the presser for Jose Mourinho. You were there. The first thing I want to ask you about is the way he was talking about Fulham and then also what he had to say indirectly about Claudio Ranieri. There seems to be a mutual respect there. Your thoughts? Uh, There does seem to be a mutual respect. Uh, now there, there certainly didn't used to be. Uh, they Jose made some disparaging remarks about uh, Claudio in years gone by, um, but no things are things are in that relationship changed when he was sacked by Leicester. Uh, I was in the press conference and well, I was a bit taken aback when I saw Jose come in with a Man United training top with Claudio Ranieri's initials on uh, wow. in in a sign of. Uh, not defiance. It's been a long day. Uh, just standing, it's just in, in the fact that he thought maybe he was making his own point because he was sacked as a league champion the year before right. by Chelsea. But he he was standing by Claudio Ranieri, and obviously Claudio had some nice words to say about Jersey yesterday. Yes. Uh, and, and today he said he's one of the two most important managers in Premier League history, which we all presume is uh, to do with his Leicester title. As sure. I think that's pretty safe, pretty safe to say. And. Uh, we'd like to think that Sir Alex Ferguson is the other one because there are other people than Jose, but with Jose, you're never quite sure. But yeah, he is obviously wary of the threat that Fulham pose and he's right to be wary because Fulham do have some good components. I have seen slight improvements since Ranieri's come in. Uh, And as I've mentioned before, United, uh, Fulham will be unlucky if they get it all together tomorrow of all days. Okay, very good there. All right. Give me the highlights from the presser. You actually asked him a question or two. Yeah, uh, I always make sure that I'm up in his face. Sometimes I annoy him. I haven't today, I don't think. But I asked him uh, I asked him today just about Fred, who signed for £52 million in the summer, 
was the main signing of the summer, a summer where he complained about not getting what he wanted. Well, he got this guy, Brazilian international, highly rated, I'm from under the nose of Manchester City, uh, and he couldn't get in the squad the other night. So I said, what does he need to do? Uh, and he basically said, I can't risk him uh, until we can defend because our midfield just gets overran, which is quite quite a cutting statement, really. Uh, he, he spoke about the injuries, uh, about the how much he'd overachieved last season to get this group uh, as high as they were. Um, but yeah, it's um, it was it was just a standard Jose press conference, really, quite sure. Um, you, you have to go in with quite a focus to make sure you get what you want. Uh, and then this afternoon, it's all got rather complicated by the fact that, um, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Russ, but um, in a rare move, uh, I can't remember it before, his, his agent, George Mendes, has released a statement. Uh, I was a bit surprised when I got, got the email um, saying that his client is fully committed to, to Manchester United amid, wow. amid speculation and, and that, that speculation is untrue. He's very happy at the club and the club are happy with him. And he's fully committed to building a solid winning project in Manchester United. And this is a guy that you just wouldn't... It, it seemed to... I don't know. I'm still trying to interpret it, really. Yeah. It, what, what the purpose of that was, because he didn't make... George Mendes or, or Gestafu, his agency, didn't make any comment when there was the story in the Daily Mirror about him uh, supposedly uh, getting the sack regardless of the result against Newcastle. So, so why now? Okay, very good there. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Simon. Uh, right back to you. I, I believe that Jose has some doubts for the match that he was talking about that he needed to go to training to see how that all worked out. Do you have any updates on players that might be missing this match? Yeah, so I asked Jose about training uh, about the squad. So Alexis Sanchez and Victor Lundloff are both absent. Luke Shaw and Phil Jones missed the match on Wednesday. Uh, I know Luke Shaw was hoping to be involved on Wednesday, so I suspect he'd come in. Phil Jones, uh, similarly, uh, where he missed the match. Uh, I'm not sure how clear he is. Jose was checking on him. Martial Bailly and Smalling, who all have little knocks, and Ashley Young's back from suspension. So I'm expecting there to be a few absentees, uh, okay. but, but just quite how important they are, it's not clear yet. Okay. Well, let's get into this preview. And uh, who are the key players for Manchester United on Saturday against Fulham, in your opinion? Who has to play well? Um, well, the f- the first question with United, and it's not always a given, is who's going to play. Right. Um, he, <laughs> he made one. that's a good he, point. He made he made seven changes against Arsenal from the Southampton game, uh, and I believe he's made a league high forty six changes uh, in the Premier League season already uh, from from game to game. Oh, I thought so, Sabitzer was bad. No, no, yeah, he's not. He's not played three goalies yet, but um, he's. Uh, <laughs> He's uh, he makes a number of outfield changes. So and obviously the fitness, the composition of the defenders will be important. I thought Marcos Rojo did well. It was his first minutes of the season uh, in any kind, not not even reserve football or anything like that uh, against Arsenal. Uh, you'd think he'd come in, especially if Smalling, Jones, Baye uh, are doubtful. He, he he has this strange knack of trying to put central midfielders in defence if things. Are if he's got players that aren't quite right, um, if they do that, then that's really going to play into Fulham's hands, I think. De Gea will be key, as he's always key. Yeah. Uh, and, then up fr- and then up front, it's just whether, as I say, he can get that composition right to uh, to disrupt Fulham. Because I, I think the defence is, is slightly improving under Ranieri. Um, but you'd think that he has the tools in his armoury to, to hurt Fulham if he can actually find the right way to do it. 
Okay, excellent. All right, Simon, I'm going to go back to you. Uh, we did this on the last time I had you on. I go to whoscored.com and mentioned uh, strengths, weaknesses, and style of play and see if they match up with what you uh, know from Manchester United. So let's start with strengths and style of play, and I'll share this with you. For strengths, this is what they say. Very strong, shooting from direct free kicks, coming back from losing positions. You've already talked about that. Strong, attacking down the wings, creating chances through individual skill, and protecting the lead. Also, aerial duels, strong. This just says style of play, attacking down the left, rotating their first 11. You've already said that. And aggressive. Okay. How accurate are whoscore.com on strengths and style of play for Manchester United? Well, I mean, the direct free kicks one's a bit of a peculiar one, but coming from behind for sure. I mean, as I said earlier, they, I, I can't remember a team. I know I know their history of coming back from the death is, is well known and well documented, but I was in Turin and I, no, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. And Southampton, they came back they came back twice against Arsenal. They came back from 2-0 down at half-time against Newcastle. They can do that. Wing play uh, is good. But I would argue only on the left-hand side. <laughs> uh, they're quite, they're quite balanced. Um, Rashford that plays on the left, they have Martial uh, and on the right. They're still trying to plug that gap, whether it's with Mata, with Lingard. Or it, it depends on the game. Uh, and they used to be strong down there last season with Valencia overlapping from right back, but he's not really got a look in uh, for one reason or another. Uh, but yeah, they are. Uh, uh, one of the strengths of protecting their lead is. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I'm not sure they've had many leads to protect, I guess. Let's go back to Valencia. He's always a, a player that I've respected. Why hasn't he gotten a look in? Um, it's a good question. He uh, he seemed to have a dig at him during pre-season about his level of fitness, which, is, which surprised me at the time because um, he is a... Um, he's always prided himself on his fitness. Uh, he's a fitness fanatic, or he certainly was. Uh, so that that did surprise me, and he has made some silly social media faux pas. He liked uh, a photo from a team, uh, an Antonio Valencia fan page on Instagram, calling for Jose Mourinho to, to basically said Jose Mourinho is the reason Man United were going down the toilet, uh, and that was spotted by because obviously there's lots of United fans. Uh, so he did a public apology the next day, saying wow. he just saw the photo and didn't realise it was along those lines. Um, against and in the Newcastle game, he announced basically on Twitter he gave away a bit of team news about eight hours before the game, saying <laughs> can't be there today because I'm injured. But good luck to my teammates. That gave me, I mean, that can't have gone down very well. It's just some little clumsy things, right. and from, from what I hear, uh, I don't think Antonio believes he has a particularly long term future under Jose, but. As we've seen with Antonio, Anthony Martial and Luke Shaw, things can turn around very, very quickly. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a complicated case. Uh, the captain of Manchester United is nowhere near the first name on the team tree. Oh, very interesting. All right, this is what WhoScore.com says is weaknesses for Manchester United. Avoiding following in dangerous areas weak. It says very weak. Avoiding offside and defending against attacks down the wings. And that could be interesting against Fulham. Your thoughts? I think one of the main weaknesses is actually set pieces, which is strange. And they have an unerring knack of just leaving someone to, to get another ball. And, they, and composure as well, I'd say that's a big weakness. Um, they get a bit flustered when the going gets tough. Uh, but yeah, attacks down the wings, uh, I wouldn't say all of the time, 
But certainly the other night, Diogo Dallo, who's a, a teenage right back that they signed from Porto in the summer and was playing uh, instead yep. of Antonio Valencia, who I, I think he had a bit of a knock the other night, as well as everything else that I just mentioned. But he was, the, they were getting a lot of joy behind him. Whether that was because of him or because they were playing a three-man defence and they hadn't quite worked on that, I'm not entirely sure. But if Fulham can get down his side, uh, they they could get some joy if, if they line up like that again. Okay, excellent there. All right, let's now focus on form, Simon. I w- just want your thoughts on Claudio Ranieri's time of form so far. I I can see progress. I'm curious uh, through your eyes. What are your thoughts? Uh, I see progress. Um, I don't. I think all the tools were there, so progress didn't really surprise me. Um, it's just a uh, yeah. When I, when I came on the show with you before the Southampton game, I. I said that he had two weeks on the training ground to work on the defence. and I don't think they did defend particularly well that game. But no. I do think they are firming up uh, against Chelsea. I thought they did all right after they, despite falling 1-0 behind, uh, arguably played even better than they did against Southampton uh, in that period. Um, but I, look, I, I, can't, I personally find it hard to see Fulham getting a result uh, tomorrow. I just don't think Claudio's had quite enough time to, to hone things. Uh, but yeah, look, it's it's not Fulham might not be at their best, but United aren't either. Okay, very good there. All right, Simon, so going into this match from your perspective, which Fulham players do you think are the biggest concerns for Manchester United and Jose Mourinho? Well, it's the it's the same old story, really. Um, <laughs> it's it's Mitro, assuming yeah. he's unless I've missed something and he he's out. Um, then I think he's gonna he's gonna cause a handball, especially as I said earlier. He is no Victor Lindelof and Chris Smalling was a centre back partnership. Smalling is a doubt, and Victor Lindelof is out, and even they weren't keeping things tight. Um, so whoever comes in, if there are crosses thrown into the box, which I know one of the weaknesses that that was pointed out by yourself, Mitrovic is going to be a problem, and especially if there's second balls. Jose's picked this out himself. He has been very angry with his side for being always second in midfield second balls. Now, if you can get in a cross, Mitrovic causes problems and the ball falls loose and you've yeah. got a Scherler or whatever running into it, you could get some joy. So I don't think United can have it comfortable, but Fulham will need to show some attacking intent. So uh, Mitro is, I know it's a, it's an easy one, he's the, I guess he's the star <laughs> name, but he, he is a handful. And this is not a strong defense. Okay. I definitely want your thoughts after the match. Maybe you can just message me about this player, Callum Chambers. I want to know what you think about Callum Chambers in this match because he has had a little bit of a resurgence. It started at the end of the tenure of uh, Savisa and then has continued under Ranieri. And what's interesting is because we're talking about potential scores i'm just thinking out loud of you know you're talking about mitro i would believe it or not say look out for calm chambers on set pieces because he's been very dangerous uh especially on corners uh, on headers he's been very good so that's a player just a little fyi be curious your thoughts after the match on uh yeah, Simon. And, I, and i'm interested to see him in this in this role because when he was at southampton uh when he was coming through the youth system he was a midfielder he was uh, a wide midfielder, I believe, uh, a lot of the time, but he was always very versatile. 
Then he moved to right back at Southampton. He displaced Nathaniel Klein and got the big move to Arsenal where they played him at centre-back, which I never really saw as a stronger position. Uh, but I believe even back then, Wenger was talking about him playing in the midfield yeah. moving forward. So he's very versatile. Uh, I don't think he's, he has ever really fouled... Well, one, I think he left Southampton too soon. And I'm not just saying that because of my red and white tinted spectacles, but because he hadn't developed enough um, to, to, to establish himself at Arsenal. And that's been proven, obviously. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him as well because he, he's a nice guy. He's, uh, he's talented. He just hadn't nailed down a position. So if there are shoots of promise, then that's good. I mean, I'd, uh, you'll be able to say that. I mean, and I know he's ineligible tomorrow, but how, how, how is Fosu Mensah doing? It's a puzzling one because he has not played under Ranieri yet, and uh, we just don't know what's going on there. It's it's a fascinating situation because there's been no information coming out about Fosu Mensah since Ranieri has taken over, so I, I, I don't have a good answer. It's it's funny, Simon, because he's the player that I thought would be their right back. I thought he overtook uh, Cyrus Christie at that position, but Cyrus Christie has been actually playing fairly well once he has come in as the right back, but Fosu Mensa is a player that, that I think has a lot of talent. And I'm, I'm surprised that we have not seen him at all. Not even in the last match. If you go back, he's not even in the 18. Well, I will ask Ranieri about him if I get a chance tomorrow. You should. I think it's, it, it is puzzling, I guess, that he's Cyrus Christie, who I do like as a player who's playing ahead yeah. of him. I think it's more puzzling that Dennis. Well, I think Fosu Mensa has but much more upside. That's my point. Yeah. But Dennis Adoy could be the weak link somewhere if he plays. So, uh, I'm sure he's a okay. lovely bloke, but I, don't, I know plenty of lovely blokes with terrible footballers. So <laughs> he he reminds me back. You might remember this in the day. I used to Philippe Senderos used to be oh. my bugbear. I never really <laughs> understood him. Uh, and Dennis Adoy is kind of fitting into that mold for me at the moment. Of wow, Senderos! Uh, I could just guarantee one mistake a match. Simon, would you agree with that? Yeah, but at least. Look, you're talking to a guy who has Wesley Hoot in their team. And, <laughs> and as I called on the last podcast, you, you did, make you an error. You called that. Uh, I didn't call it being quite as embarrassing as that. Yeah, there we go. Hopefully my Dennis Adoy prediction doesn't come, come to fruition tomorrow. <laughs> All right, my friend, let's go to matchups. Fulham's attack versus Manchester United's defense. Who do you give the uh, advantage to? Fulham's attack, but marginally. I think if Man United have the right players fit and in the right structure. They can hold Fulham, but I think with Mitrovic, pace out wide. And so it's, yeah, it's marginal. It's a marginal call. Okay. Let's flip it. Manchester United's attack versus Fulham's defence. I would say that that United have the advantage. Um, Again, the the selection will be interesting. Um, But look, I... I like some of the players that Fulham have in defence. Uh, I've always liked Alfie Mawson, for example, but I just... He's been playing well see... lately, Simon. Just want to mention that. Yeah, and that shouldn't... Uh, as I said, I've always liked him, but um, it's just, it's not quite... If Man, United, if Man United play 7 out of 10 in attack, then Fulham will concede. But United haven't been playing or attacking as a force of 7 out of 10. See what Jekyll and Hyde we get to Okay, very good. All right. Curious your thoughts on on the uh, central midfield battle. Who do you think has the advantage there? Again, <clears throat> it depends very much on uh, 
what Man United turns up. Chambers will be interesting to see. United have been playing more defensive-minded players uh, and then one attack-minded player in, in, in the three in midfield. But whether he changes that up, it, it's difficult to say. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see if he puts Paul Pogba back in the in the lineup because he's dropped him, right? Uh, rightfully so. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it'll be interesting to. Is I, I I can't call the midfield at the moment because United's midfield has been underperforming and, and changing so often. Okay, very good. This is a fascinating one. Does either manager have a coaching advantage? Um. Uh, that is a good one. Uh, I wish I'd given it a bit more thought before <laughs> I came on. Um, I think the advantage would be in the sense of maybe the recent poor run has sharpened Jose's focus a bit to make sure he gets this spot. Not that he would ever get complacent. This is, a must win is a cliche, but this is a very important match to get serious ambitions of reaching the top. Um, so that might help him. One thing that I, I, I think Jose has made a number of bad calls this season, tactically uh, from the start and, and personnel-wise. But what I have been impressed with uh, that I don't think gets enough, uh, gets any credit for actually, is the way he can change games with his substitutions, um, which is, I, I think, harder than setting up the team in the first place, personally. But, um, for example, at Bournemouth, he brought on Herrera and he just tore... He just tore it up and in the end they got the win. He made a number of changes against Newcastle when they were 2-0 down. Uh, the shackles came off. He has a, a knack of being able to change things within the game, but just a very strange knack of not being able to set them up right in the first place. Okay, very interesting then, my friend. All right, let's go to predictions. Let's start with how Manchester United win this match through your eyes. Uh, they win it by keeping their third, just their third clean sheet of the season uh, and by actually showing a bit of cutting edge. Okay, very good. Let's flip it. How do form win this match? Can they find a way? If, if there is a way, how do they win it at Old Trafford? Uh, make the most of the gaps around Manchester United midfield. Uh, give the centre-backs, whoever they may be, uh, a bit of a bloody nose. Give them a tough time, whether that's two men in there or just the one in Mitrovic and make sure that you get the 50-50 balls in the sectors United aren't great at them. Okay, very good, my friend. All right, let's end with your prediction and then I'll share my prediction. What's your prediction for the match? Well, I think Fulham will give Manchester United a tough time and, and, and maybe a scare, but I just feel that given the way things are, that that United will will come out and get the win, uh, alleviate the pressure building and, and probably get a 2-0 win. Okay, very good. All right, my prediction, I'm going to go with a Manchester United victory. I'm going to say 2-1. to one. I think Fulham are going to score, and I'll say Mitro will be the goal scorer there. I, th- I think he's ready to score another goal, but I think it's going to be difficult to get anything out of this match. I think if they do, it's a bonus. But, again, I want to see – a good performance from Fulham, and let's see what happens. I'm very much looking forward to this match. Simon, once again, thank you for joining me today. Not a problem. It's uh, nice to chat as always, and I hope things go well for you guys tomorrow. Um, I hope you don't cause me too much of a headache because I'd like, quite like Sunday off, so if you wouldn't <laughs> mind losing quietly, that would be great. And also from a Southampton perspective, it would be nice. Sure. You gave us a bit of a, 
bit of a chance to catch up. So Thank you very much, Simon. Tomorrow. I just want to mention that you can actually follow Simon on Twitter at Simon Peach. He is the chief football writer for the Press Association. You definitely need to check him out. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For my guest, Simon Peach, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.